We're going to be in Mark's gospel this morning. As we've been for the last few months, we're in chapter 6 today. If you're over Mark, we'll be out soon, and then we'll be back. Take a short break. I'm going to be in chapter 6, verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by. But when, he saw, when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. For they did not know about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. That while you... You tell us to invite you. You also tell us that you are already here where we are gathered together. And so we thank you for the gift of your presence. Lord, you are already working here. You were working in this room before we walked in. Would you help us, Lord, to enter into the space where you are and hear your words to us this morning? Would you help us to leave behind the things that we're carrying in this room? the weight that we are carrying, Lord. Would you help us put it aside and give us eyes to see you and ears to hear you? To be present with you, to see you for who you are. We long for these things, Lord. It's why we are here. Would you meet us here, Lord? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So this is a a rather famous text. You may be here this morning and not even a Christian, and you probably know that this is something very cool that Jesus did while he lived um, on earth with us. He walked on water, a very cool, miraculous thing that Jesus did, the stuff of legends. And this is actually even the second story of Jesus calming a storm. We went through the first one a few weeks ago. There are two very unique elements about what Jesus is doing in these stories. In the first one, Jesus is doing what? Does anyone remember? In the first calming of the storm? He's sleeping, yeah. Jesus is asleep on the boat during the middle of the storm. And then in this one, the kind of unique thing that Jesus is up to is very different. He's very active and not even just on the boat, but he's walking on the water near the disciples, uh, which are rather different postures for uh, Jesus to have in these two different moments in Scripture. Both are really important moments, Um, less about the metaphysics of the miracle and more it's about what the miracle reveals about who Jesus is and who we are, and that's what we're going to look at today. So in this famous text, um, it's kind of coming off the heels of another famous text in the feeding of the 5,000, which we talked about last week, which we heard from our friend David Roth. And this is important to remember uh, that this story comes after that one because of this last line, which you probably heard, and we're like, oh, that was a nice story up until that strange little last moment where it says, for they did not understand about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. Um, so it's a, if you're like, what loaves? That's what it's talking about, the feeding of the 5,000. So 
with that in our minds, we're going to uh, put that last line on the back burner for a second and kind of go into the text. Um, and so here we have Jesus sending his disciples on a boat in the evening for a long journey on the water, and Jesus goes up the mountain to pray. He's praying all through the night. It says like at the first watch is, or sorry, at the fourth watch is when Jesus sees them struggling out on the ocean and walks out to go help them. The first or the fourth watch is actually between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So uh, Jesus was up all night praying. If you've ever done that, it's generally not because something wonderful is happening, right? Maybe something really difficult. That's just a free nugget. I'm just wondering what Jesus is doing, staying up all night praying. So he's up all night praying, and he sees them struggling out on the water. And the Bible says this really interesting thing. It says he intended to pass them by, which if you're a modern reader like all of us, you might be thinking, like, that feels rude. <laughs> if you're going out there on the water to help them, it sounds like, you know, I see them struggling, so I'll walk out there. Why would you pass them by? Um, and it's a really good question, and it's one that we ought to be asking because it's hearkening back to a really, really important moment in the story of God's people, in particular, God's presence with one singular person, Moses. So we're going to journey back to Exodus for a second before we get into like what I think God may be saying to us this morning through this text. So we're in Exodus, the end of Exodus, Exodus 34. Israelites have been set free, and Moses is leading the Israelites on their journey from, the promise, or from Egypt and into the promised land. They're just beginning this journey. A lot's been happening to kind of set them up and prepare them for this journey. Moses has been meeting with God, kind of getting to know God over the, the few uh, days and weeks and months that they're here. God's giving them the Ten Commandments. He's giving them instructions on how to live. He's giving them very, very clear instructions on how he wants to be present with them in the tabernacle, all of those kinds of things. And Moses, God love him, is just very, very unsure of himself that he's going to be able to do this. I mean, from the beginning, if you're familiar at all with Moses' story, he's been like, I think this is a great plan, God, and I think you have chosen the wrong person to do it. Um, so he is, again, having one of these like existential moments, uh, probably in, in experiencing some, some imposter syndrome. Um, so in this moment, it's kind of like the last moment before they're going to journey off together towards the promised land. And Moses once again is coming to God in his desperation. This section of scripture is called Moses' intercession, and it's not like it's the first time. It's like the hundredth time that we've seen this happen, and yet this is kind of the final moment before he goes off into the wilderness with the people. It's his last plea to God. I need you to be with me. I genuinely can't do this unless you go with me. I need you to be present with me as I lead these people. And God, in his kindness, says to Moses, I will do everything that you have asked. So Moses says to God, does anyone know? He says four words, Bible trivia. He says, show me your glory. Sound familiar? Have you heard that before? Yeah. He says, show me your glory. And so God agrees. Like before we go out and onto this journey together, I would love to show you my glory. But I'm very holy and very powerful. And if I'm going to do that, we're going to have to like make some situations happen, right? We're going to have to hide Moses in the cleft of the rock. Do you guys remember this story? And he's like, I'll, I'll, but I also got to put my hand over you <laughs> as I pass by you. So there are a lot of like positioning that has to happen for Moses so he doesn't die, you know, when he sees God and like, you know, has his presence like really before him. And it's a tricky situation. They made it work. He saw his glory. He saw his goodness. It was very good. So 
all of this happens in this Moses moment. This is called a like divine epiphany. These moments when people have real encounters with God and something like really changes for them. And so when Jesus, back to our story, when Jesus, when the text says that Jesus wanted to pass them by, what that actually is, is this moment with God and Moses. Jesus wanted to show them his glory. He wanted to pass them by. And yet what happens? He sees their fear. He sees their straining. And instead of passing them by, he walks towards them which I think says a lot about who Jesus is. So here's what I think the Lord is, is saying to us this morning in this text. The divine epiphany in this case was not in passing them by, but in coming close. This is the divine epiphany of who Jesus is. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's not God pushing you in the rock, and he was that God, but he's a different, uh, uh, able to be with us in a different way as a human being, and he's saying this is like the new version of that story with God and Moses. This is what it looks like when God comes in the flesh and stands before you. I don't have to hide you in order to see me. I can actually like look you in your face and speak words of kindness to you and calm your fears and like maybe even like touch your shoulder or hug you, all of those things. It's like this coming together moment that we have in Jesus that even Moses wasn't able to experience with God. Every time Jesus moves in this story, it's because he's moved by the plight of his people. It's when he sees them straining at the oars that he comes toward them on the water. It's when he sees the fear in their eyes that he gets into the boat so he can look them in the face and touch them, tell them everything's going to be okay, say, it's, you know, it's just me. God has always been moving toward his people. If you want to know if you're interested in what the Old Testament is about, that is like the, the one-liner of the Old Testament. God moving toward his people. And the ultimate revelation of this is Jesus, the person of Jesus, God moving toward us. This is the divine revelation here that Jesus is Yahweh, the God of Moses. He walks on water and he calms storms. He is that God. He's that God that hid Moses in the rock and passed by him. But he's also God in the flesh. God moved into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peterson says. He cannot help but continue to move toward his people. In particular, I think, when they are struggling and suffering. Secondly, when we're in situations of uncertainty and fear, Jesus can often feel like a ghost, like they see him in this story. This was maybe the most relatable part of this story to me this week as I was reading. You know, you kind of get your imagination into the story and you see like it's stormy and you see a person out on the water and how like the mist is all around them and how spooky that probably would have been like very, very early in the morning with all of this, you know, the weather happening around them. And Jesus felt really scary to them. For us, I think this often feels like when you need something to change. You need something to give, and it doesn't. And Jesus feels like the shadow of the person that you thought he would be, kind of like an impotent version of who Jesus is meant to be. Or maybe even like the whole Christianity thing feels like a hallucination. You know, you see Jesus out on the horizon, and you're like, that is a ghost and not a person. Like, that is not something, like, maybe we're all having this sort of mass hallucination together. 
And these are really scary and heartbreaking moments in the life of faith when we kind of see Jesus as this like half version of himself. When we think like, have I put my trust in a ghost? It's how it can feel when Jesus feels powerless. And I know some of you feel this way because I talked with a lot of you. Um, and this is just, this is a moment that we're living in where it feels confusing and we're kind of reevaluating everything that we've understood and how we see it and how we see ourselves and how we understand God and a world and a pandemic and things like that. It feels almost like cliche to say at this point, but it bears repeating that we're living in a moment that is beginning to feel really impossible for a lot of people. I've met with a lot of people recently who are like, I finally hit my breaking point. Like, I'm, I've been running and running, and I've been doing okay, and I've been thinking all the right things, I think, and I've been doing all the things that I need to do, and I hit my wall this week. That was true for me this week. We're all carrying the normal loads of anxiety and grief of what it means to be human, and on top of that, we're carrying around a year of transition and sickness and grief and paradigm shifts, you know. For me, this image of the ghostly Jesus has been less about doubt or disappointment, which it has been at other times in my life. You know, I see Jesus and it's like this half version of who I think he's meant to be. But this vision in this text for me this week has been more about what Jesus inevitably looks like if I don't let him come close. When I don't let Jesus come close enough to me, there's sort of like a mistiness around him, a ghostliness where I can't actually be in his presence as he designed for me to be, as he made for himself um, as God the Son coming into the world as Emmanuel, God with a body like he wants to be close. He wants us to see him for who he is. And if I keep him at a distance and don't actually let him into the hard places in my life, if I keep doing the like spiritual checklists that I have every day for my devotions or whatever it may be, you know, um, if I don't actually let him into the hard places, he's just gonna keep feeling like a ghost to me. He's just gonna keep feeling like 30 feet out too far for me to really see for who he is. So some of you may feel this sort of doubt or disappointment, that kind of like ghostly Jesus. But my hunch is that most of us who are making it into this room on Sunday mornings are um, maybe not questioning as much as we are trying to figure out who really it is, trying to make out the vision and the shape of who Jesus is and how he wants to be present with us. I think that, um, to be honest, um, my fear at different points in my life, I think now would be a, one of these times, is if I let Jesus too close, like if I let him become like close enough to see that he's a real person, and if he says to me something like, be brave, it's me, you don't have to be afraid anymore, I might lose it. Like letting Jesus into the real vulnerable places in me, not just the places that I feel comfortable being vulnerable in front of others and in front of Jesus, like into the real dark places and don't expect him to do anything, don't require his, him you know, to make some sort of fruit happen in my life, but just let him sit with me in the dark places. And if he's kind to me, I just like may never get off the floor. <laughs> do you know that feeling? If, he's, if he really loves me in this hard place that I'm in, I may not be able to just move on from that. And it's that kind of thinking that I think can end us up at this last part of this text where it says they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And it's in this miracle that we learned about last week of the loaves and fishes where Jesus showed us that the power of his presence is unlimited. 
that his presence is a sort of active reality that can be multiplied to be more than enough, not just for everyone in this room, but for everyone in the world and throughout time. But the disciples had not really let that miracle kind of seep deeply into themselves yet. When Jesus, when Mark says this at the end of the text that they didn't understand about the loaves and their hearts were hardened, he's saying like there's something really important about this feeding of the 5,000 story that's meant to like seep its way into us and it will carry us through other moments in our life of adversity and uncertainty. That there's something about the bread, which we know there is because we, we partake in it every week. Right? We know there's something to this kind of bread thing, this bread, of, uh, bread to feed the world, this communion element that we all celebrate each week. There's something in it that's here for us. And if we could only get like a deeper glimpse into it, maybe we could understand God's heart more, you know? Like we're all here for this, for that miracle. Every week for us, it's the feeding of the 5,000. It's what we celebrate here at the table. So this ending is an invitation for us into the deeper work of Jesus, that yes, Jesus met them where they were and comforted them, but there was deeper work even still to be done for them. Once the trust is established, the assurance of God's presence in our lives, we can begin to kind of like plumb the depths of his goodness. Once we let him close and really see him for who he is, that's when we can say like Moses said to God, would you show me your glory? Which is why we're here, you know? why we're all in this room. It's why we come to church on Sundays. We feel stagnant in our faith. I believe this is often the cause, that we're not letting Jesus into the places where it hurts. It's so easy to just have like a Bible reading plan, you know, and like a, a group, at like a discipleship group that you're a part of or family prayer time or whatever the thing is and not actually like sit in the quiet space and let Jesus into the hard places. Like this is what it feels like to be me right now. This is what the inside of my heart looks like. And then just sit there with Jesus in all of that. And then not just do it that one time. Like do it over and over. Like really letting Jesus into the hard places. This is what it means for us to let Jesus come close. To not, like I said, to just keep checking the boxes. You're released from that if you need to be released. When Jesus says in this text, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. The Greek is really more like, take heart, I'm here. And like the capital I am, you know, like how God reveals himself in Exodus, I am here. The I am is here with you, present. This is a story about fearful and burdened people longing for the presence of Jesus. And maybe that's why you're here this morning. I know for sure it's why I'm here this morning. The good news is that this is also a story about how Jesus is always moved by the plight of his people. He always moves toward us in our weakness and in our fear and in our uncertainty. It's like he is a magnet to those things. He cannot help but come close when we are in those places. As I was thinking about this text this week, which I thought about a lot because it was very helpful to me in several moments that were really hard this past week, um, the thing that I kept feeling the Spirit say to me, which I'll say to you because it feels the right thing to do. As I kept feeling the Spirit say, especially when I was in the car, that's when the Spirit speaks to me. Jesus wants to transform your current experience with his presence. And it's true. Jesus wants to transform your current experience with his presence. 
wherever your experience is, those hard places, Jesus desires to come with his presence into those places and transform it into a new thing, into a better thing, into his thing. And the question for us is, will we let him? Will we let him into those places? Will we make the space? Will we let him speak the words to us, the words of comfort? You should go home and read this part in Exodus, chapter 34. It's really good. Um, but there's this really beautiful moment between God and Moses, where Moses basically puts his foot, you know, puts his foot down and says, if your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. Like, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. And you may be feeling like that this morning. Like, maybe there's something out there for you or in here that feels like, if you don't literally take me by the hand, Jesus, and walk me back out into the world, I cannot do it. Like, I cannot make it in this, this moment. And here's what God says to Moses, and I want you to hear it as God's word to, to you this morning. God says, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And that is my prayer for you this morning, that you would feel the presence of Jesus going out of this room with you and that it would give you rest because that is what the presence of Jesus gives. Amen? Amen. Go in peace, friends. We'll see you either tomorrow night if you're at Foundations with us or next Sunday or tonight at the picnic. We'll see you all there. God bless you. Hello, friends. This is Matthew, the lead pastor at Emmanuel Anglican Church in East Atlanta. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We are disciples of Jesus who are seeking his kingdom and the flourishing of our neighbors. And if you want to find out more about Emmanuel and what's going on, just hop over to our website. The address is Emmanuel, that's with an I, EmmanuelATL.org. Thanks so much. God bless you. Grace and peace.